Striking while the iron's hot to be your authoritative voice for New Mexico soccer. Welcome to We Are Seek and Strike podcast. Sponsored by Roughneck Scarves and Icarus FC. Brought to you by Beautiful Game Network. Find us on the web at seekandstrikecollective.com. Welcome to We Are Seek and Strike podcast, a podcast for New Mexico soccer supporters by supporters, bringing you the latest end-to-end coverage on New Mexico United and New Mexico College women's soccer. I am your host, Chris Walker, and joining me this week is my co-host, Veronica Zavala. Patrick couldn't be with us this week. He is off uh, attending to um, homecoming and coaching responsibilities as he is a soccer coach and a teacher. And so um, he is doing that this week. So we won't be talking about the Enchanted 11. I know, I know, because I love talking about it too, just the same. Uh, we did conclude the voting for the Enchanted 11 goal of the month for September. We look forward to talking about that when Patrick rejoins. And we'll be talking about another thing that we are working on. Um, and so, uh, you know, so keep it tuned. We'll we'll be back with the Enchanted Eleven this next time around. But for two nights, well, for me, that's it's the very first minute of the of the the new day, match day, Saturday. Uh, and for Veronica, it's eleven oh one. She was or she is in California, so she is not quite into the new day. So we're uh, we're future casting here. So Veronica, how are you doing? tonight that would be accurate for you i am doing pretty good thank you yeah how are you? So, uh how, how's your week been i mean it's been kind of like you know it's different not having soccer during the middle of the week yeah it's different because it's kind of like you have um like suddenly your time opens up a little bit <laughs> yeah it's crazy i the only thing really though this week i don't know if you caught it but the other night, I think it was uh, Thursday night, the El Trafico match between LA Galaxy and LAFC. Did you get to catch any of that match? You know what? I caught the end of that, but I was getting uh, updates throughout the match. Yeah, it was a really good match, actually. Um, I started watching it about 20 minutes in um, when the score was still pretty much nil-nil, and... I mean, around the 30th, 35th, 37th minute, I believe, is when the scores started coming in. Uh, LAFC got the first one. Um, it was, and all of the matches between these two teams, um, obviously very action-packed, high drama, um, chaos, passion, everything that you could want definitely coming out of a match like that. And, you know, honestly, I didn't know who was going to win that match. Um, I wasn't expecting LAFC to pull off something during stoppage time, but I did think that the game was going to be decided in stoppage time. 
Yeah, I mean, they were referring to it as the LA Derby. So uh, people were definitely excited about, you know, we have Galaxy and LAFC, two SoCal teams, right? Both good in their own rights. Um, but I don't know, who are you who are you rooting for on this match? Uh, you know, honestly, I was neutral more so. I was more neutral. Um, and we, we had these conversations with each other and with other people. I mean, when I first started to watch MLS, there was really only the LA Galaxy around, so it was easy for a California kid to like the LA team. Right. Um, but I haven't really watched a whole lot of MLS uh, in my in my I don't know twenties to thirties, nor really have I been watching as much of it in my forties. So. Now, as I think about a Major League Soccer team, I'm going to say I'm not sure if I side with my kid team or if I side, and I shouldn't say kid team because that was like 2003 or something, 2001. (laughs) It wasn't a long time before the Galaxy came around. I was definitely very much so half, half of my life or half of my life currently lived. But I'll just say I don't know if I would choose my kid team at this point, because it's not like I have been watching all, all up to this time, mm-hmm. and there's not really much family tradition or legacy surrounding that for me. Right. Um, or if I would consider myself a free agent and, I don't know, like pick a team, you know? Mm-hmm. And then from there, it's like, do you pick the other LA team or do you go, hey, well, you live in New Mexico, you actually have a choice of teams that are regionally closer to you. Um, I've had this conversation with myself a few times. I don't know that I would want to be a Colorado Rapids fan. Why? Because New Mexico United kicked some Colorado's ass. So, like, you know, the first year New Mexico United came around, not only did they beat the Switchbacks, but they also beat the Rapids, like, in the Open Cup match. So I was like, "Mm, I don't know. I don't think I'd want to be a fan of a club that my club beat. So that was one thing for me. And then I thought, do I want to be a fan of any Texas clubs? And I thought, nah, probably not, because I don't know if I really want to go to Texas to watch my favorite club. So um, so I was like, well, that's kind of out too. Then there's Utah. My boy Devin lives there. He's constantly trying to get me to become a real Salt Lake fan. I don't know. I don't know about that. You know, I don't know about that. And Arizona doesn't quite have a team yet, nor do we. So I don't know. I guess I'm kind of open. I'm just kind of watching whatever I want to watch. What about you? Well, I mean, I certainly do remember when Galaxy came into town and that was like our, like our big, like pro soccer team, right? Um, but it's, it's like one of those, like, it is the team of, well, it, I mean, for me, it was, it was more childhood because I think I was like, man, in my teens when they, they came out to, to LA. Um, but I don't know. I, I kind of like, I do enjoy LAFC. Um, they have a good vibe. I enjoy watching their matches and, you know, 
So I guess I'm kind of I'm kind of tossed up. I mean, definitely would still stay with a Cali team. Um, you know, regardless, but I don't know. I'll decide by next season, I guess. So Galaxy was founded uh, on in 1994. Mm-hmm. Um, 1994 is when they were founded. And let's see here. Major League Soccer's first season was 96. So, I mean, roughly in that time, right? Mm-hmm. We were like 16, you know. And I hadn't quite yet watched my first soccer match until like the 98 World Cup. So... Mm-hmm. I was certainly only learning about LA Galaxy after Kobe Jones. Okay. And Landon Donovan. Mm-hmm. So cool. that kind of kind of frames my entrance. So now we talked a little bit. I mean, like we so we, we got to watch a little bit of soccer during the week. Um we don't have many soft serve entries this week uh soft serve being like you know everyone loves that uh soft serve ice cream cone it's like the dessert before dinner thing mm-hmm. and um wait the dessert before dinner <laughs> yeah you gotta you know sometimes you just want to have the ice cream cone before you eat your meal i mean you know That's soft true. serve right so the only entry we really have this week is a little bit of 1980s nostalgia for you. Um, if you are uh, in your 40s, then you know what I'm talking about. Tuesday was McBoo's Day. That's right. McHalloween, Halloween Pails at McDonald's came out in full force. And if you were a lucky, uh, a lucky, um, contender at getting one of the Halloween pails, then good on you. I definitely went out that day. I got myself a McBoo. I said McBoo's Day. That's right. McBoo's Day. Hey, Veronica, did you get a Halloween pail yet? I have not gotten a Halloween pail. What is going on with you? You did not get the What is going on with California? That's, that's, that's the question. Is it that... can't be inflation for everything. It's not inflation. It's it's uh, what is it? It's the uh, supply and demand. That's supply and demand. You're just not even demanded. No, I've demanded. They just they just sell out within like an hour out here. You need to put that order in the app. <laughs> I did actually. Funny story. I did. So um, on Tuesday, I actually I was able to get one through the app, and then that I I only downloaded the app for that toy that I. Still don't have. You didn't get the toy? No. What? No. Yep. They've sold out, sold out, sold out. And I have a job. So. <laughs> what? You have a, I have a job too, but I got five ha- adult Happy Meals. I, think I have you're a job doing that wrong. ties me down in a building. Um, I was actually able to order a McBoo on. A on McBoo? McBoo's Day? McBoo's Day. Okay. On the app. And I was like, all happy, whatever. And then, so they bring out my food to my car because I'm waiting there in the number whatever spot. And I notice it's like a regular box. 
and I look at the girl and I go, this is not what I ordered. And she goes, she goes, um, oh yeah, no, we ran out of those. And I go, I go, you ran out of those. <laughs> and she goes, yeah, she goes, we've been sold out since, uh, I think they said they started serving lunch at 1030. They sold out by 1130. Really? Like an hour? She says that they literally sold out within an hour. That everyone in the some guy got in there and ordered like twenty. I mean, um, I would. They're forty. They're four dollars each. Four twenty. Twenty. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, what in the world? So they said another shipment comes in on Sunday. But you missed it, right? Because it's no, it has. It's not Sunday yet. <laughs> yeah, but somehow you're gonna miss it. I know it. <laughs> so, um. So we'll see. I'm gonna get, but you know what's funny? This lady came in today to my job and she had a she was this lady had to have been maybe like eighty something eighty something years old. She came in with a McBoo pail. Did you guys she give had her, her cell phone in it? Did you give her any candy? I wanted to ask for or any McBoo of those. Pail. Be like, hey, yeah. how how much would you, you know? But I was like, no, that's that's not magical. So, yeah, but it was funny. She had her cell phone in it. She had, I don't know what else. Is, like, she was using it as a purse. You know you know what what's happening, right? Everyone who missed out on the adult Happy Meal said, I am not going to miss out again. That is and true. so they saved their money rather than paying the $13 to get one of those really rad cal- or, uh, cactus plant flea market collaboration toys. Instead of getting that, they said, all right. I'm going to take my $100 and I'm going to go buy as many make pails as I can. <laughs> and now the guy who got 20, did he get the full set or did he just get a bunch of McBoos? You know what? It's what they were telling me is that they're releasing one at a time nationwide. So, But they're not all releasing the same thing nationwide, though. Correct. At the same time. But I think it's by regions because I saw a lot of people out here in California. They all had the McBoos. Northern California had the McBoos. People in Texas had the McBoos. Uh, where else do, did I have people posting about yeah, it? Yeah, but people oh. in California also had the witch and the pumpkin too. Not that I've seen. Oh, I have seen it in Riverside and Ontario. Yeah, none of my friends so posted those. Really by the restaurant. Yeah, yeah. No, it's just, I'm just going by the friends that I have that have posted about it. The friends that you have that don't get you the Happy Meals. Because I'm not asking for the Happy Meals. <laughs> but I'm telling you. Well, if somebody special out there would like to help me collect these items and ship them to me, I would be more than happy to accept. I mean, you got to be home to get them. We got to... Sh- can't be shipping you things and you're not you're at your you're at your jobby job (laughs) (laughs) well ups can drop off it's all good oh man well veronica i do hope that you eventually get to enjoy a little bit of your childhood um because you're really missing out i look at my mcboo bucket and i'm like "Hmm, what can i put in this thing you know i'm gonna put something in it and then I look at my adult Happy Meal toys and I go, oh, I got the full set unwrapped. I guess I'll collect them wrapped. 
And you know what? I had this thought the other day. This is crazy, right? But McDonald's food doesn't break down. We know this, right? It doesn't. It just it just is what it is. I honestly think that it would be real. It would be something real to buy the Happy Meal itself. The adult Happy Meal. I mean, let me clarify. Get a Big Mac or chicken nuggets. Get the fries. Leave them in the box. And put the whole thing on eBay with the toy. <laughs> the meal included. Somebody will buy that. Someone will buy that. I'm telling you. And if. Didn't somebody. Um, I forget if it was you that sent that to me. But I could have sworn I saw somebody is selling the unwrapped toys for like 300 grand or something. Yeah. 300, 300 grand. Yeah. On eBay, right? On eBay, there's there other entries of like a thousand dollars and eight hundred and eighty dollars for three unwrapped toys that you don't even know which ones they are. Now, I'm sure they felt the toys so they could easily say what they are, <laughs> but it's three toys, man. You're gonna sell three toys for eight hundred and eighty dollars. Like, what is that? You and know, somebody out there will probably buy it. Now, this is where things will get real interesting for the people who are real creative is could they just technically make their own versions of Cactus Plant Flea Market? Could they, in fact, maybe do some creative handiwork on the actual toys and go a little bit further? Because I believe there are those creatives that look at something and go, I'm going to upcycle this. You know what? I can I can see it. Right. <laughs> I mean, I think that there's more to come. I mean, you kind of wish you would have bought the plush toys. Getting four characters for $250 probably was the actual buy. That probably was the steal of, of it all. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. that's probably going to sell for $1,000 or more. That's true. So, anyways, do you think they're going to do any more nostalgia moments? I mean, Halloween, or the month of October, that, really was a big thing for this. Yeah, I, th- I think that might be a new trend we might be seeing in the McDonald verse, like a way to lure grown-ups back into a... Because, you know, most people are getting more, like, you know, aware of what they're putting what their intake of things are. And I I've certainly have heard this from, you know, friends of mine where they're like, yeah, but, you know, do we really want to be eating that? And da, da, da. But Don't they're be a going, hater. Don't but be they're a hater. going because of... Everyone that. loves a good cheeseburger. I was thinking about one today when I was sitting here at the table. I was like, man, you know, my work day is going real shitty. All I really need is one of those cheeseburgers with like that seems like they've stepped on it no matter how it comes out. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like it's not looking like the picture. I'm so past that argument. But I'll, all I needed was a cheeseburger with two pickles, a piece the piece of cheese on it, and my meat to be hiding inside the, the bread. Those Big Macs are pretty good. Yeah, but I mean the cheeseburger. That's you know the diced onions oh, I'm a on Big it. Mac girl. Like if, if I am gonna do that, if, if I'm gonna go the McDonald's route, I'm gonna get the Big Mac. Okay, so let's talk Big Mac. Do you take off the top bread and just use the bot use the middle bread as your top bread? No. 
What? You don't do that? No, I have no, friends I, who do I that. I take it all. I, I take it all in. You got to take off the top bread. You got to flip over the middle bread, and then you got <laughs> double meat inside of the Big Mac. I like I like that layer of, of bread, bread, meat, bread. And we're talking about intake a minute ago. You're talking about intake, and you're eating three three pieces of bread. Yep. That's like two sandwiches. And they're so good. <laughs> That's like two sandwiches there, though. You you tell like to me that sounds like you make PB and J like the way that they make Big Macs. You're like, mm, I'm gonna put peanut butter on both sides of the bread. Put that in the middle and put jelly on both sides of the bread. What? Yeah, three pieces of bread inside your peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Sounds like a psychopath sandwich. <laughs> but I mean, look, it's evenly spread. It's peanut butter on both sides. <laughs> well, honestly, I'm having too much fun with this conversation. We're going to switch out of this into other exciting news. Uh, going into something out of soft serve into league news, the USL recently, or the United Soccer League uh, recently announced uh, the awarding of a new USL championship franchise to a local investment group in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. That's right, Beer Town. Beer Town. Milwaukee. Milwaukee. You are getting a team. That's awesome, especially if you consider... Um, fans of League One team Ford Madison in Wisconsin. If you think about Minnesota United fans, here you go. You got now you've got a team coming to Milwaukee. And you wonder what association they might have to the Brewers baseball team. Will the team have its own stadium or will they play at the at maybe like a I don't know if they would play at the Brewer Stadium, but would they play maybe locally somewhere at a nearby college or use a college for the team in Milwaukee. Yeah. I I thought I was reading that they were building a, like, what is it? 20,000 person stadium stadium. Mm, I mean, that would be good. That's what I I was reading earlier. Um, Well, good on them because I mean, like (laughs) they'll have their stadium long before. They'll, yeah, well, I mean, that was the thing. When New Mexico United came into the league, it was like, oh, stadium within three years. And then that requirement got really lax. Four years and later. What's that? Four years later. Right. Well, it got really lax. And now you're seeing all these teams come in, and they're like, oh, yeah, we're going we're gonna to come in with the stadium. And... And that's what you're looking at. Um, I'm pulling up the article now in regards to the Milwaukee team. And they would be coming into the league in 2025, by the way. So you have a couple of years. So they're saying that they're going to play in a new 8,000-seat stadium. Hmm. And... Like let's a multi-complex too, right? Where they'll have like restaurants and... Well, let's see. Let's see. Um, article talks about a little bit here. So as a new club, will be the professional outdoor team in Milwaukee uh, more than two de- uh, in more than two decades. Um, its founding reinforces Jim... Uh, I think it's Kusmerich's 
Arcus Mark Six belief in the state of Wisconsin as a soccer hotbed following his investment as lead owner of Forward Madison, which plays in USL League One. So you almost wonder if the Milwaukee club and USL Championship, if there's already going to be that affiliation with Forward Madison. If they're already just going to kind of have those two teams be kind of connected that way. Mm-hmm. And furthermore, if those two teams have any sort of affiliation, you almost have to wonder about the age-old conversation about promotion relegation that that keeps popping up every once in a while. Like, they'll own these two clubs. Will they, you know, like, in their mind, like, is that is that something that they want to do? I mean, I'm just kind of throwing it out there in the universe, I know. But, I mean, like, just not very many. Uh, I should say I don't know too many. USL championship clubs that also own a, a USL league one club. So I'm just wondering, like, is this something that they might consider like linking the two up to each other? Um, they talk a little bit more here and they're saying basically that they're proposing, uh, they said, uh, in addition to the stadium, they want to have a 3,500-seat indoor concert venue and a 140-unit residential component, boutique, hotel, and dining, nightlife, and retail operations. So they, like, are going in on it, like, as, like, a full-on development and pretty much bringing the entertainment value all around the uh, the soccer club, pretty much. And I guess construction is due to begin later this year. Now, they're going in and doing this, like... This is really cool to see um, when you consider new clubs. Uh, it's the Iron District MKE or Milwaukee and the USL to develop a project. Um, and you, you kind of saw that trend also with Louisiana. I believe they're also just going straight into building. Right. They're all, so I'm wondering if that's going to be what we're going to be seeing from these like new USL teams that are that are coming on the scene is if they're just going to go straight into instead of what I think maybe because they see what some teams get stuck with having to deal with, right? which is like, you've built a team, you've built a following. um, And then your team could end up, you know, without a place because the city decides it's not, it's not an important thing to have a stadium for your team. Right. Well, and then like, the stadium is like the life force in a way, because that's like the next thing that really kicks it off. Like, okay, we got a stadium. Now people are going to hang out here and all these things are going to happen. And, you know, without that, mm-hmm. you know, the team can only bring so much excitement. And if they're still playing in a baseball stadium, then eventually the followers, the supporters, everyone, you start to feel the effects of being in the baseball stadium. Mm-hmm. The seating, the limitations, there's no designated areas for the supporters, right? Like, mm-hmm. you have to follow silly rules still. Like, you don't really, it's not really your own house. You can't really say what you want to do. You can do limited things, right? It's like, <laughs> it's like. It's living like, at mom and dad's house. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that. It's it's essentially, I wouldn't, I won't go as far as saying it's like living at your mom and dad's house. It is like watching your buddy's house for the weekend and knowing that you can do certain things within the boundaries of what they do. 
So you probably can't have any crazy house parties or jump off of the roof into the pool or anything wild like that. But I mean, you certainly can have some guests over to watch a soccer game. I mean, you know what I mean? Like you just like there's certain things that that can happen. And, you know, and then some of it is like, you know, do it now and apologize later stuff. Right. Right. So nonetheless, cool to see another team coming in for 2023. What's really awesome. Or I should say at the end of this, this year, what was really cool is to think that um, all of the MLS two teams are exiting the USL. So LA galaxy is finally gone. Um, and they're gone. Atlanta United is gone. Red Bulls two is gone. Um, Loudon United would be gone. Um, who else? It's four teams. I think that's that might be all of them. Might be all of them that are gone. And so then that makes more room for more USL clubs. And of course, we see that coming. I mean, next year, OKC Energy reinstates the club again. They, they come back to playing. Um, in 2023, Queensboro FC starts playing. In 2024, then you can look forward to, um, gosh, who's coming in 2024? I know that Jacksonville has a franchise as well mm-hmm. that's coming, and I think that's set for 2025, if I'm not mistaken. Um, we just really have to kind of map it out, but I'm pretty sure I think Jacksonville's due for 2025. I think that's when that is. You can. I can look that up really fast. You can look that up. Um, so anyways, so expansion in the USL going on uh, this week, you know, has really been more so about playoff talks. That's what our episode's about tonight. We're just going to dive straight into um playoff talk everyone else is doing it and we want to be a part of it but we'll take a different path a little bit um you know some of the things the usl is putting out this week as articles they're talking about x-factor players um they talked about christian nava being uh new mexico united's x-factor player saying that he could be unpredictable and be a good search for the black and yellow um should he get the ball at his feet in playoffs, he could be someone who can really uh, put things on on a tilt. And so that's cool. They went full vibes there. Honestly, when I read that 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 blurb that they put for Nava, I thought, how would you not put Bruce there? Bruce is truly the spark plug for New Mexico when it comes to the sort of things like that. But, you know, I mean, Nava has definitely had some of those instances where he comes in and then the guys are fired up and it's like a whole new situation um but since we're talking playoffs uh sacramento fc's guy is jack gurr um he's a midfield uh uh he's a midfielder i believe and he um they say that he seems to like be really essential (laughs) that's kind of a, a funny comment to say but they're just saying his quality is good and honestly i've seen jack gurr play He's like the guy who does trick shots when your team is up three nil in like the third and thirteenth minute of the game. Like, you know, he's just he's got some style to him. It's it's interesting to watch him um, watch him play. 
So, I mean, I guess, like, you know, everyone's w- welcome to kind of be themselves, and he surely does. But that's who they're kind of saying is their guy. He's had 37 re- uh, interceptions um, this year, this season. And uh, and then, you know, and uh, 4.86 goals added, I guess. So, um, to the team's mark or just uh, I read that wrong. Uh, I'll just read the whole sentence. It makes more sense to do that. So as a 26-year-old led the championship with 35 completed open play crosses in the regular season and had nine big chances created. While defensively, he recorded 37 interceptions to sit third on the team with a 4.86 goals added mark. That's Jack Gurr. I'm just waiting for them to do that. It's great. Like, and it's probably coming eventually. Um... But, yeah, back to the, the, the thing at hand. We're talking playoffs. So let's just jump into what we wanted to talk about tonight. New Mexico United sits here. Their third opportunity for postseason play. Their second opportunity for actual playoff contention. Everyone knows their first one was a play-in round. Yes, they lost that, and so they didn't actually enter into the postseason playoffs. Just the play ends, um, you know, to make that distinction. Uh, but they're back now, and they're playing against Sacramento, a familiar opponent, someone they played in their first year. And, you know, um, it seems like everything kind of starts afresh now going into the playoffs. So, Veronica, um, we really were going to kind of touch on some different storylines uh, for the soccer Sacramento match. So let's kind of jump into that. The first okay. one I have is... Uh, really fast, do you want the uh, the Jacksonville info? Uh, yeah, go for it. Okay, so 2025 is when they're launching Jacksonville. And it's it's like, I think we've seen a lot of, uh, I think New Orleans is the only one that's launching in, what, 2024? Right. And I think everybody else is 2025 at this point. Okay, that's cool. Um, so let's jump into um, 11 storylines for Sacramento. So number one, the 2019 play-in round versus Sacramento, fastest goal scored by Devin Sandoval. Um, Devin historically has had a lot of firsts for the club. Um, He's scored a lot of goals that are like the first-time goals, the historic goal, like goals for the club, traditional goals, right? Like first Cinco de Mayo goal, first playoff goal, first for the club in general like just so many firsts right and mm-hmm. we always say man the soccer gods must love him do you think Devin Sandoval plays a big role in these playoffs does the soccer do the soccer gods smile down on him once again I I think Devin Sandoval will be like a good support but I don't think he will be like the like the one he was in 2019. Why? Why do you think that? Um, I just think that we've had a lot more um, people that are starting to shine um, as like the, the last two seasons have progressed with United. Um, he definitely is an important um, piece of of the chessboard, but um, not not what it was in 2019. Do you think that Devin Sandoval is passing the torch to Christian Nava? Potentially. But how could you do that? How could you pass the torch 
to Nava and Skip Rivas. Because Rivas is from is from there too. You know, I mean he's he's from New Mexico too. I mean, who knows? Um, it could be more in whoever's grasping the content that he's trying to pass on better, you know? Yeah, you really like want... practice and stuff like that. Like he, you know, a lot of behind the scenes stuff could be happening where it's kind of like, well, if somebody's like, you know, both players are, are super talented, but you might have one that's just, you know, Im- immersing themselves more in in you know um the style of play or direction or you know the practice of it yeah i mean sometimes you wonder like again how could a player get so much soccer luck right so mm-hmm. that's why i wonder like you know will devin sandoval have yet another opportunity i mean he was off the pitch a year ago um in the hospital wondering if he was going to play again wanting to play again so so I wondered, like, you know, you know, how much of that could kind of affect the, narr- the the thought of it. Number two, Roro Lopez, Rodrigo Lopez, Roro versus New Mexico United. In 2021, he was playing with Rio Grande Valley, which United went 1-1-1 one, one, and one against. And it was none other than... RGV that pretty much sealed the fate of New Mexico United to not get into the playoffs with Roro leading that boat. (laughs) Uh, And in 2022 Roro's with Sacramento and the club has gone. They have, uh, they have tied a match and lost a match. Correct. think that's this year did you freeze no no i'm here i'm sorry <laughs> you're falling asleep already no, no, I'm, I'm here. <laughs> oh man i haven't even we haven't even gotten started yet um in 2022 uh new mexico united has drawn with sacramento but also lost the match as well um so we're not really if you go into that, you're like, well, they, they hadn't really won a match. You know, we tied nil-nil, but we actually lost a 1-2 match. So um, looking at it, you know, it it's almost doesn't necessarily uh, – it doesn't bode well for United to think about the fact that one guy has kind of been at the helm of eliminating the team each year, does it? <laughs> um, I mean, no, it doesn't. But <laughs> it was funny. It's like they're uh, they're a good contender. Um, like it's one of those like Sacramento has been like one of the teams that that either they can they can push through or they can just stay within like I want to say the borderlines of. <laughs> Of um, that tug and war with United, right? I mean, do you think New Mexico United can avenge Roro's influence on the game? I think he literally can. he single handedly has been the guy in several outcomes. I, I you know, hopefully uh, United at this point has latched onto that. 
I mean, because literally in the and USL and Open Cup, the right place to like, you know. What? I said, hopefully they can they can put the right pieces in the right places to you know to kind of combat that a little bit, but. You hope that they are addressing him a little bit. I mean, he is not, right. you know, he there 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 are more major players for Sacramento, but you certainly can't let Roro get loose anywhere in the in the box. Mm-hmm. So you just wonder if New Mexico United can avenge Roro's influence. <laughs> You know, I think going off into a playoff match, um, you'd like to think that, you know, they've been watching a lot of Sac, Sac Town play uh, to where they see, like, who who do they have to, like, stay on, right? So, I mean, that's that's what I'm hoping for, is that is that United kind of, like, goes, okay, this, this is who we have to guard. This is, you know, <laughs> we can't let this dude just sneak in. <laughs> Yeah, you hope that. Um, three, Danny V's Golden Gloves. Okay, look, I've got a pair of Danny Vidiello gloves from when they, Sacramento, came to New Mexico the last time. Understand that we covered, I had written a story about Danny Vidiello being alone, a lone New Mexico United player for a day, and we had always just kind of thought that was the coolest thing around Seek and Strike Collective. So, you know, it was something I had to make sure that I did when he got back around was see if I can get a pair of gloves. But now that I got this pair of gloves, I kind of had to, I kind of had this other thought about it. I was like, this guy came to New Mexico, handed us a loss. No, no, that was a draw. That, that was a draw. We drew with him. And then I get this pair of gloves afterwards, and then He's on to the. He's on his way, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, was that? A... Sorry, I was thinking about this. I had to go check. No, they came to the lab last, and we lost. That's what it was. New Mexico United lost, and I went and got the gloves. Right, oh, so yeah, it was like, right. hey, mm-hmm. it was like a happy meal. I got gloves from a player who played for United for a day after my team lost <laughs> and then i remember he signed the gloves all the best or whatever right so it was cool good good time to hang out talk to him for a little bit they go on to the open cup eventually lose in the final and then here we are we're playing sacramento and you almost go had to be had to be sacramento so here i got these gloves danny vidiello went from being the number three when he was sitting with Pittsburgh to ultimately becoming the number one um, at a different club. And then, you know, he won the golden glove award. Um, He is basically one. uh, I think he's one Oh and one versus New Mexico. Um, Did you expect to see Sacramento in the playoffs as the first round team? Um. Hmm. No, <laughs> I did who, not. Who did you expect to? See? I don't. I don't really think I had anybody in mind. Um, because definitely we're like we're seeing 
we're seeing a, a much different uh, season than we have, you know, from what we're used to, like the the contenders, like the uh, the people that the teams that we normally would see aren't in those places. So I think at some point I said, well, you know what, as long as we make it and, um, you know, that's really that's really what I focused on was was United getting a spot. Right. But what when about it, yourself? Well, hold on. I'm going to still ask you another question. But when it became very clear that it was the last match or two, that it was going to either be San Diego, Colorado, Sacramento, based upon seeding with RGB in Oakland, did you think it was going to fall on Sacramento or did you think it was going to fall with Colorado or Loyal? At that point, I was more Sacramento-minded. Why? Um, I guess I guess it was just like the the odds of 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 the other two teams, um, kind of like how they played during the season, and kind of seeing if. If they were really gonna, I don't know. Sacramento, you know they they've they've been surprising. Um, I didn't watch a lot of Sacramento um, play this year, but um, they they had these moments where it's like they they they're becoming like a you know a more aggressive team. Okay. So, I mean, when when it kind of fell more that way, like, I was like, I don't know, it's just maybe a instinct to, or what do you call it, when you have a feeling about it? Premonition? Premonition. There you go. Hmm. Okay. That's cool. <laughs> um, I just think with the way things went with them beating San Diego, um, that it was bittersweet that we couldn't avenge the loss at home by hosting them in the playoffs. So now we have to go back there. And essentially, it's a good field. They got a good fan base. I mean, the Brucey banger did happen at Sacramento. His forty, his forty-yard kick, where he got the ball in like the last moments of the match and just put it in, right? Like that did happen there. Um, so there's some definitely some nostalgia to be there. Um, so then the thought is, if we could beat. Sacramento in the first round, it would eventually set us up with New Mexico hosting a playoff game if a few other things happened. And I have these scenarios here, and actually, um, we're gonna we're gonna get into a little bit here in the next couple of points. But first, number four, number four in the storylines: team form versus experts. Nobody wants to believe that team form really matters at this point. And I understand why. I mean, New Mexico United has kind of, through the season, 
played Jekyll and Hyde. They have come off looking commanding and been, you know, a team that was on the rise and sitting high in the table. And then, you know, then there were times when they were losing matches or, you know, or drawing matches. And, you know, they just, it was like the luck of the soccer league benefited them, right? Like, there were often times when they were probably very average, but so was the rest of the Western Conference. But still, the experts don't want to give way to too much team form. They're saying it doesn't really matter. Um, and to an extent, I do understand that, Veronica, that maybe at this point in the playoffs, it really just comes down to winning four matches, and that's all you got to do. For the, for the teams with the first round bye, maybe they just got to win three matches, right? That's all they have to do. New Mexico coming into this match is 2-0-3. Finished out their season with three draws, two wins. Coming into today's match um, against Sacramento, where Sacramento is 1-3-1. They had lost three and then essentially won and drew a match coming into the match. So I don't think they have as much momentum, if you will. But the experts going with USL Championship, they pretty much mm-hmm. just say, you know, United scored 49 goals and conceded 40, and uh, they say, like, hey, you know what, maybe there is a positive point to United that they have only lost three matches away from home, but Sacramento has only lost two matches at home. So it's, like, very even kill there. Um, the USL show, uh, our friend Alan is over there, and as well as some of the other some of the other folks over there, Mm-hmm. Um, they like to think that New Mexico is a pretender. They just, again, they just see them kind of flip-flopping form and not really playing like a team that was sitting at the top of the table. Right. right. That's what they were saying during the, they were having the, the, um, Sacramento United discussion on us on the USL thing today. And yeah, they, they were definitely calling New Mexico out for their inconsistencies and, um, kind of like wondering what, which United are we going to see against Sacktown? But I mean, you knew that that was coming, right? And we often had that conversation we've been too. It too, right? We had that conversation too. We're like, whoa, like what? Which team are we looking at here? Mm-hmm. You know? So it's not like it's it's not like it's a shocker a to us, <laughs> huh? It's not like it's a surprise, right? It's not, you know. But mm-hmm. you don't know. Like, there's only one thing that you can do against Sacramento. You have to win. Could you draw, go through all the periods of play, and get to PKs? Yes, but I don't think you want to do that. No. That isn't going to change anyone's minds. I think they're going to have to have, like, the good, let me know, the right starters. They're going to have to... Everything's going to have to be in place from the beginning. And I think that New Mexico does need to score first. Um, that's just, you know, kind of seeing what happens to United when when we don't score first. Um, you know, so I think they just have to really just go on. And it's this is one of those life or death type of matches at this point, you know. Well, I think we can definitely expect New Mexico to come out real defensive. I mean, mm-hmm. we've seen that much on the match notes already that they want the they want to say that defense wins championships, and to an extent, yes. But like, if you go on the defense real early and then you play really solid 
football. Think about how they played against San Antonio. They really did help hold them out for a while until eventually San Antonio would score their first goal. And then it was like you wondered, you know, would New Mexico be able to bounce back from that, right? Because they were playing them so well, right? Exactly. They were playing them so well that you were like, well, is New Mexico going to be able to bounce back from this, um, letting in this one goal? You know, and then on top of that, how are you going to win a game where you're already down a goal, right? So then you have to hold out. You know what I mean? So there are those thoughts. Um, so then, so then let's see here. So go from that to number five. Zach Prince says that New Mexico has identity. He says they have an edge over other playoff teams because they know who they are, right? Like, to really transcribe that or break that down, he's saying the team knows who they are. They, you know, like, he feels that they've come together, that they maybe are translated and how they're playing, whatever it is, right? But you also you also wonder, like, okay, well, we know who you are too, right? Like, right, and and we we kind of touched on on this this quote from Zach on our last show, where you know we were kind of like we're like, but do you really though? <laughs> Right, you're like, well, you know, will the real Slim Shady please stand up? Because, I mean, here it is, like, New Mexico has identity. Well, I looked at the identity that we have against the current playoff teams in the West. We're 0-1-1 against San San Antonio. We are 0-0-2 against San Diego. We are 1-1-0 against Colorado Springs. We are 0-1-1 against Sacramento. We are 1-1-1 against RGV. And we are 1-0-1 against Oakland. So I'm like, well, who are we, Zach? We are certainly a team that has not beaten San Antonio. We are a team that has not beaten San Diego. We're a team that has not beaten Sacramento. We're a team that is, you know, that has gotten a win on Colorado RGV in Oakland. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like right. Like you're not you're not telling me as much, right? But I guess you could argue the same point the other way around. San Diego hasn't beaten New Mexico. San Antonio hasn't beaten New Mexico. Well, no, they have, sorry. Nah, nah. <laughs> Pie in my face. San Antonio has beaten New Mexico. Colorado has beaten New Mexico. Right, um, mm-hmm. Sacramento has beat New Mexico. RGV has beat New Mexico. I mean, like, you know, to yeah. me, that identity <laughs> says you're not dominant and you're not necessarily last, but mm-hmm. you're right in the middle. That is the identity of New Mexico still. So they're like that middle child, right? Like, and actually, think about it. Like, that's funny. I just thought about it. They are the middle child because yeah, they are. They can be they really good, or they always can be really horrible. Sit there. They're always sitting in the middle Mm -hmm. of the whole table. The fact that we finished fifth out of seven teams, out of 13 total teams, 
that's better. That's literally like the top third. But mm-hmm. we're typically just barely creeping in <laughs> at like 50%. So perhaps the finish is better. Sometimes you wonder if they just, if they're just going to save it all for playoffs. Yeah, you wonder. Right? Like, are they just going to coast through the season to give it all they got in the playoffs to be eliminated, hopefully not in the first game? Well, you wonder what is what is the path to success. For a first-year head coach, he makes the playoffs. He could say, well... Troy didn't make the playoffs his first year. He was in a play-in round. He could get that petty if they really want to make the accomplishments that small. Um, Mm -hmm. Or they could get to the Western Conference Finals and lose to San Antonio. And then we could say, oh, man, United got there. But if they drew each match and got penalties, people would say, oh, well, they didn't really win those matches. Right. Mm-hmm. So to me, you, it's really hard for me to imagine that we'll be playing for a cup still. I need to see things. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. Um, uh, uh, there, there's some things that need to happen. Like, we need to see <laughs> I think I think what you're trying to say is that that we we need to see evidence of I'm just not going to be convinced that we can get to the that we're going to we can win a cup until we're sitting in the Western Conference final. And even then you you might still have doubts. <laughs> I would have more belief if we were sitting in the Western Conference final. Right. And that may now, not I'm necessarily gonna, gonna be against the San say, Antonio team. I'm going to venture to say that if, if we make it to that final, we will be at that game. We need to. So, um, yeah. <laughs> so, number six. Does beating Sacramento ever end up as a home playoff match? I, I did explore this a little bit. Oh. So, yes. And I checked it against the experts, and I was correct. So check it out. So after the first round, which the first, which San Antonio has a bye, the first round. So after the first round, the teams do reseed. The number one team will always play the lowest seed, right? So first round bye, as I put it down here on the notes, So then you have number two, San Diego, playing versus number seven, Oakland, which we've seen that match before. Oakland went into San Diego and stole three points right after they lost their head coach. So definitely very possible. Mm -hmm. Then you've got number three, Colorado Springs, playing RGV. RGV um, definitely can be lethal. And then you got us playing Sacramento. So the lowest seed will play... San Antonio. So here are the scenarios to which it can lead to a home match. The one that can't lead to a home match for us ever is if San Diego defeats 
Oakland okay. and Colorado defeats RGV with us defeating Sacramento. Because what this does is it leaves San Diego out there to play Colorado and us to play San Antonio. And if we defeat San Antonio, regardless of who wins between San Diego and Colorado, one of them is going to host a Western Conference final. So truly, we just have to be one of the lower seeds in the mix to be able to host a game. I threw out some other paths here. Um, probably missing one path, but we'll just explore it. So San Diego were to defeat Oakland and RGV were to defeat Colorado Springs. You'd be looking at a match of RGV versus San Antonio and New Mexico versus San Diego. Now, if New Mexico defeated San Diego and RGV defeated San Antonio, New Mexico could host RGV in a final. Okay. Okay. Another scenario is that um, would be this next one. Oakland defeats San Diego initially and then gets San Antonio. Oakland defeats San Antonio. Meanwhile, New Mexico defeats Sacramento in every path is what I created. Colorado defeats RGV. Colorado and New Mexico play. New Mexico could host the final of Oakland beat San Antonio. Now, it's not really far-fetched to think that Oakland couldn't get hot. That's kind of what it was last year. Yeah. When they played against Orange County. So it is very possible but I would think that if a number seven team is getting hot and is in the final match for the Western Conference final, like, and they were seventh seed, you kind of have to start taking them a little serious because, you know, like, it didn't really matter that they were seeded so low. They tr- truly just got hot in the playoffs. And then you take this last match, matchup, where. Oakland defeats San Diego and RGV defeats Colorado Springs. And then we beat Sacramento. So all the lower seeded teams win the first round, which is kind of what I'm shooting for. I'm shooting for this scenario the best. Then the second match, New Mexico would host against RGV and Oakland would go to San Antonio. So then New Mexico could actually host the final if Oakland beat San Antonio. Oh, wow. And New Mexico defeated RGV. So there are some possibilities to where New Mexico could still host. They're not too far out of the match matchup. For me, like I said, out of all the possibilities of what I think will happen, and I'll get your take here in a minute, I honestly want to see the five, six, seven team defeat the two, three, and four team. I think it would be really interesting for the playoffs if that happened. Um, however, I do still think that we'll be in a situation to where we could potentially host a game. I think the one that's probably more realistic right now is going to be that Oakland defeats San Diego and Colorado Springs defeats RGV. Oh, wow. Okay. What are you thinking? 
if you're looking at those paths. Um, I don't know. I, I see I see San Diego beating Oakland. Oh, really? Why is that? I see San Diego beating Oakland because, I mean, San Diego's really, they're, they're pretty good at, like, kind of studying their opponent. And they've played Oakland before. They know what to expect. They lost to them too. I know they lost to them, but like they they know they know what to expect. They know what's coming, and there's a lot on the table for this particular championship. So I I kind of like maybe it's it's wishful thinking, but I I, I think I kind of see San Diego taking that win. Um, Oakland Oakland is going to bring a good fight. I mean, they're you know they're all. <laughs> They're they're all uh, um, what's it called uh, hyped up to to come and play against San Diego, right? But um, them, <laughs> uh, man. <laughs> so fun fact: th- this is my last uh, season in California, and um, so this will be my last season match for San Diego Loyal. Before I become a, a season ticket holder for United, so yeah, I know. Then you're gonna come to the good side. I will be on the good side, and I will be I will be fully devoted and repping and cheering on no matter what what may come. <laughs> Man, America it's gonna be great. That. It's gonna be great. Love it. That's cool. So okay, so we talked a little bit about that. We have our thoughts about it. Um, Number seven, and honestly, we're going to have a different answer from this from what I put, but I'll just go ahead and go through it. Number seven, how much does Nico Brett's injury hurt United? Nico Brett is a finisher. He didn't compete for the Golden Boot this year due to partly due to injury, but prior to that, United was only scoring one goal a game. Nico could or would offer another option on the pitch, but I'm not sure if it's guaranteed. The guaranteed goal we think it would be is what the take was. But prior to recording this podcast and checking the match notes, Nico Brett is no longer on the injury injury list, guys. So, like, everyone is available at this point. So now you you let's talk about that. I wondered if we would not see Nico Brett at all the rest of the season because of this injury. But it really does turn out that Zach Prince and Nico. Nico Brett, we're like, well, let's just keep him on the injury list for as long as we can, right? They would have to go and get it done, right, to get into the playoffs and, you know, and all that. And then the reward would be uh, Nico Brett. So what's your thoughts about that, Veronica? Yeah, you know, I was – it's good news that Nico's back. All right, so Nico Brett has scored seven goals um, on this season. We wish that it was 18. Maybe it could have been 18 if he were not injured for several weeks on hand. Um, so Nico Brett's injury does not hurt United. Uh, that is a great point. So then going to something else then, number eight, does Preston, Ratty, or Romario play a role in the match? United needs every high-performance athlete that it has, including Preston with pace on the outside and Ratty with his technical skill. Um, 
who do you see them playing a role in the in the match or do you think we don't have them I mean I certainly hope to see you know Preston in the starting in the starting 11 why is that Um, just because of what we've seen him do with, um, was it, who was, who was that, that little, was it Kavon? Kavon Preston and who else? But they made, they made a really good, a few matches ago, they, they were making really good impacts, like as, I'm trying to remember what match it was. Um, it escapes me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're you're feeling the effects of it being really late. Um, I'm feeling the effects of being up really early, um, and uh, it's kind of it's kind of late. Um, <laughs> should I have that coffee, right? <laughs> so, like, I wonder if we see Preston. He's not been on the injured list. He's just not been available for selection. Um, I think we do see him. I think that if anything, Zach has been, and this is a, this is a stretch, but I'll go ahead and say it. I think Zach has been kind of keeping certain players off of film so that he can come into Sacramento with the players that he wanted to have. Mm. So I think he keeps, he kept Ratty off of film. He kept Preston off of film. He kept Nico off of film so that anyone who potentially saw United wouldn't be able to really study them too well and would not have a proper game plan to play against United. I mean, that's going to be what I, that's going to be one of of the things I stick to. That's true. I mean, you'd want to keep your top performers healthy and in shape for to bring him out during the more important matches. I think it's a strategy. I think he meant to like, I think he meant to keep them off of being filmed so that they couldn't be studied. Oh, that's a good one. Right. Yeah. So that's what I'm going with. That's a good one. I like that. Okay. So number nine, Mm. who has been in this, who has been in the 18, since San Diego. So I'm going to have you pull up the graphics, the team graphics from the San Diego match and just read off the starting 18. Okay. Or like, sorry, the starting 11 and the bench. Okay. One second. San Diego, right? Starting with San Diego, yes. Uh-huh. Okay, so what what did you need to know? 
have it up. So who's been in the 18 since San Diego? Who is in the, in the 18 in San Diego, LA, and Colorado Springs? So who was in the 18 in San Diego? Um, Kisavetta, Sergio Rivas, Armando Moreno, Sam Hamilton, Justin Portillo, Harry Schwartz, um, Austin Yearwood, Kaylin Ryden, Alexis Swahi, uh, Will Seymour, and our goalkeeper, Alex Tambacas. Who was on the bench? Who was on the bench? Let me see. Um Uh, Ford Parker, Josh Josh Suggs, Michael Zira, and Kevon Freider. Okay, and compare that lineup from San Diego to the lineup against LA Galaxy too. Okay. What was different about the lineups, if anything? Okay, so, well, for, I mean, let me go back really fast. We had, okay, Seymour was in that as well. So were there any players? Swahi, I mean, he, he had Swahi in the, in the 18, um, he had Azira. Um, he had Suggs. All three of those guys were were on the bench in San Diego. But when you look at the full 18, mm -hmm. did the same 18 travel or dress in those last three matches? That's what I'm asking. I'm looking up Colorado really fast too. Yeah, the only the only um yeah, actually they did. Um the only additions were Nava and Tete. Okay. Other than that it was it was the same. So my question then is will it be the same 18? Will Zach use the same 18? for this first round playoff game, considering that the team scored a total of seven goals, seven goals with that personnel, or who will maybe not be a part of the 18 to give room to a Nico Brett, a Preston, or a Raddy, or, or Mario, for that matter. Do you think we don't see Revis, Brucey, 
possibly. I think we don't see Tete. Um, maybe Bruce. Well, that lets him too. Because I think, or maybe. Uh, you still probably don't see Revis. Yeah. Or Hamilton. Right. Because you have to wonder, does Zach want to put in all of his guys? Does he bring the best lineup he can? I mean, he has to bring the best lineup he has. Um, I just... I think... I think if he's... Because I'm looking... I'm looking over here... um, What are you looking up? When we played against Galaxy, I'm just looking at, you know, what what got us a better result. And it looks like it was between when we played Colorado Switchbacks and Galaxy. And and those players... um, Swartz. Swartz was for two goals in the Galaxy match. Yeah. Let me look at that really fast. Right, it's the, San Di- it's the San Diego shift. That's what I've been yeah. calling it. Yeah. It's this 18 that has given us the better results. Yeah. They've amounted for seven goals. And that's why I say I don't know who Zach... He's going to have to take some players out to make some room. I mean, if he wants to slide three players in, he's got to take three players out. That's just bottom line who it's going to be. It's got to be... Ford, you don't have another keeper on the bench. You don't you don't tag Brucey, so then you give room for like Nico. Like he's he's gonna have to not have like you said, Tete or Hamilton, like he's gonna have to make room mm-hmm. on his bench. And then Nava probably goes too, so I mean you know, it's gonna be a kind of a hard trip. It has gonna have to be the grouping that's given us results. Yeah, I mean, that's what you think. That's what should happen. But I do think he's going to go with taking the more weapons out there. So, anyways, let's not get hung up on this. Um, Number 10. Who is due to have a big game for United? Considering the things here, I put Amanda Moreno scored two goals in San Diego. Swartz scored two goals versus LA. Nava got on the scoreboard, scoreboard, score, score sheet, or his first goal, sorry, scored at home against Colorado Springs. Kisa Better had some quality near chances in the same LA game, or Bruce, who scored a pretty convincing shot against Colorado. Who do you think is going to have a convincing game or a big game for United in this playoff game? I think Swartz continues to to show what he's got to United to all of us. Um, it's to me, I, I don't know, like when I, uh, maybe cause I haven't, I, I don't know why, like I feel we haven't seen a lot, a lot of him. Like I, I know he's there, like we see him and then he just started to score these like pretty cool goals. So I think, I think he's going to continue that in the, if he's, if he's in the, in the starting 
line up. Okay. So then lastly, who is Prince's starting 11? Let's go from the top, or sorry, from the back line. Who do you see in the back line if you're choosing three defenders back there? Jeez. Um, I would say Swahi. Um, Kalen Ryden. Uh, I would say Yearwood and you say three or four? Three. Three. Yeah, those would be my guys. Who do you see the four being in the middle? Um, Swartz. Uh, Swartz, Weehan, uh, Seymour. And um, mm, man, I want to say uh, Rebus. Okay. Who do you see scoring? Are we on top? The three on top. I would like to see um, Nico Brett, Dev Sandoval, and um, let me see, who's my other guy over here? And Kisa Vetter. Okay. Okay. What about you? Uh, I guess I do see it being right in Swahi and uh, Yearwood in the back. I do see Suggs being a winger along with Ratty. Uh, well, no. If Suggs is in, Ratty's not in. So I would say, like, if Suggs is in, then I think it's Portillo, then I think it's Rivas and Swartz, and then I think the top is Moreno, Weehan, and Freighter. As far as that goes. Okay. And I think subwise, I think you have Nico Brett, Preston, Ratty, and Azira. And and uh Nava and Bruce. Well, maybe not Bruce, maybe Seymour or Tete. Because it'd have to be another player, probably Seymour, because he could play mid and defender, and they're going to need flexible players. So, well, that's kind of that. Um, I guess we're at the point of the show where really we just kind of wrap it up with um, a prediction and really 
Veronica, your prediction can really only go one way. <laughs> I mean, you know. Well, no, I'll take it back. It can go both ways, but, you know. You just got to cast it out there. Okay. I... I'm going to say... I'm going to say... Maybe it's wishful thinking. <laughs> I really think... No, but I really do believe we can do this if we if if we have the right starting lineup, the right you know the right combinations, the right um, which we hope to God that the Zach has been just studying studying up a storm. Um, I'm gonna go two to one. Okay. Um. I'm just going to say we're going to go 3-2. You know. 3-2. Yeah, okay. I think we're going to go to PK and Portillo's going to sink it. Okay. Yep. All right, well that's going to do it for tonight's episode. Um for Veronica Zavala Myself, Chris Walker and of course shout out to our boy Patrick Baca who's holding it down in Crucis. Until next episode, you've been listening to another episode of We Are Seeking Strike We Are Seeking Strike Podcast, the weekly, and we're out of here. You've been listening to We Are Seeking Strike Podcast, brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network. Find more USL-related podcasts and written content at BGN.fm. To never miss new content, consider subscribing wherever you get your podcast. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the episode. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Seek and Strike Collective. Lastly, we'd like to thank our sponsors, Roughneck Scarves and Icarus FC. Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Tired of the same old uniforms and cookie cutter templates from Nike and Adidas? Looking for a unique, completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday league squad, adult or even pro team? Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com. Thank you.